Hello and welcome to What the Lux with me, Fred Moore. And me, Anand Sharma. Together we lead Matter of Form, brand and experience design consultancy headquarters in London. And this is a podcast that calls time on tired ideas of luxury. And alongside industry luminaries and thought leaders, we explore what truly defines category-leading products and experiences. Today, it gives me enormous pleasure to welcome to the podcast someone to whom the world's best hospitality brands turn to time and time again for guidance and counsel. It is no exaggeration to say that Julia Perone has carved out an enviable position as a globally recognised and preeminent expert on luxury hospitality. For the last decade, Jules has built her company, Perone International, to an unrivaled position in PR and consultancy for a veritable who's who of famous names in the industry. She's great fun, an old friend of matter of form, and pulls no punches. But as I suspect we will find out, it is Jules's all-consuming passion for travel and hospitality and her innate sense of what makes a hotel special that drives her success and her appeal. Jules, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Fred. That was a lovely introduction. Thank you. No, very much deserved. Tell us, where are you today? You're usually travelling, but I think we've got you in London today. Yeah, I'm in between two pretty epic trips. I was on the Amalfi Coast last week. We've got a new client down in a little village called Conca de Marini that opened last summer. And so I was down there seeing that. And then we journeyed up to Tuscany to open a beautiful new property in Chianti. And then next week, I'm in Madagascar and Botswana. So I have a little moment where I'm here. Amazing. So the the chaos of press trips that to the outside look unbelievably glamorous, but are probably a lot of hard work and stress, despite all the lovely hospitality stuff that happens in between. Yeah, I mean, no comment on the stress. Missing trains in Naples Airport because we hadn't left enough time. You know, Instagram making it look great because we've got some filter on the fact that the weather was appalling. Yeah, I would say <laughs> there's quite a lot of stress in these trips, but so brilliant. And I love to do these journeys where we sort of get different people doing different things and you know that's what people want to do nowadays is kind of see different places and experience them in different ways so it it was a great trip and and next week's will be similarly extraordinary going to a private island off the north of Madagascar. Well Jules I want to get into all of that I also want to get into especially a theme of this being you know what really does make an exquisite hospitality proposition but let's um just quickly start with a couple of questions on you firstly how did we've known each other for years um how did this farmer's girl from the flatlands of norfolk uh, become the grand dame of luxury pr um there's definitely two sides to you and it's unusual how did this happen where did it start first of all there is a hill in norfolk uh it's you know just one as you know you and i know we studied at university together i was studying history i absolutely loved I I loved the subject and when I was thinking about a career I really wanted to do something that could use the kind of historical knowledge I had and you know some way put it into a career I wasn't going to go into finance it wasn't my thing I actually really wanted to go into the foreign office I interviewed several times for the intelligence service sadly didn't get in (laughs) but I couldn't really work it out what I was going to do and then a friend was working in this thing called travel PR and I went and joined thinking it was a bit of a joke and, you know, soon realized that actually the potential was enormous because I was so interested in the place, not just the product. That was my, my historian geekiness coming out. And I worked my way up through the ranks. You know, it's hard work. It's not rocket science. A lot of what we do, it's a lot of research, it's a lot of passion, met some phenomenal people. And then about nearly 10 years ago, I guess I got my big break that somebody said, you know, I want 
to come with you? Would you set up your own business? And that was the Bristol in Paris. And when you have a client like the Bristol Paris, you know, it's the best of the best. And it's sort of like a honeypot to everything else that's out there. So I started with my one little client and then worked my way up. And now, you know, I don't know what am I, 10 years in, Perone as it stands is now six years old, but the biz, you know, I've been working on my own business for 10 years. You know, we represent the best of the best, but I, I put a lot of it down to having that one client at the beginning that was just so exceptional that other people wanted to be associated with this great hotel. So yeah, here we are. I think that's a similar journey to us where we were lucky enough to bag Aman back in the day. Um, one, and then Belmond. And once you've had people like that, um, for, for us, obviously, branded digital, um, it's very, very helpful because they do create the, the halo effect. Um, and our journey has been, I, I guess, a little bit consistent over those years. We've been working on similar clients since. But um, you're a one-stop shop, so you say, um, specializing in uh, across much more than just PR. You know, we're talking sales, marketing, social media, digital marketing, as well as, I think, consultancy in its truest sense of actually telling clients how to position themselves what makes a good offer can you just give us an example of some of the work you're doing for clients either now or in the past just to give people a flavor of what Perone's about yeah sure and and it it really is about being 360 I think what what we realized early on was that often PR agencies in the traditional sense don't really communicate with sales and they don't really communicate with different parts of a of a hotel management even, you know, whether it's sales, marketing, social media, operations. And I kind of realized that the future for us would be to be very holistic in what we offer and how also how we work with our clients. Even if we don't do their sales, we can give them support. We can think commercially. So yeah, you take a client like the Safari Collection in Kenya, for example, we literally do their global PR. We do their UK and European sales. We do their social media, we do crisis communications for them, we do a lot of consultancy work, you know, we help them when they're thinking about opening a new lodge, what do they need to do, what, you know, what target markets that they're they're looking at, which photographer to hire, you know, giving them strategic advice on their website, you know, it's it's kind of everything, we're doing the same with Sonnet at the moment, this beautiful property, Grand Hotel Sonnet, that's opening in Mallorca, the sister hotel to Finca Cortezine, social media strategy, sales, PR, just had a big exclusive in FT, how to spend it last weekend. And it's it's really thinking, right, what are the commercial objectives of the client and how can we help them get there? And that might be communications, it might be sales, it might be marketing, it might just be some strategic advice, it might be being a brand ambassador, it might be social media, it could be digital marketing, it could be anything, it could be little bits of each, it might be a project. We're helping someone at the moment who wants to buy a property in Sicily we're helping them create a concept, a positioning statement of what's missing in Sicily, what the rate structure would be, the size of the property to open, should it be family friendly? I mean, everything. And that's what we love is like getting our hands dirty, you know? Yeah, so it sounds like I should think there are some competitors who might emphasize, the, especially on the PR side, the reach of their press connections and all of that. Whereas what you're saying is, I think that's a given, but you've actually got this serious understanding around luxury hospitality, what a proposition should look like, what good looks like. That seems to be at the core of what makes you a little bit different and probably why clients come to you. I hope so. I think we think very commercially and I, I think that's really important. The art industry tends to kind of, you know, PR, oh, here's your lovely article in Tatler. They don't seem to mind if it generated any business or not. Whereas we're kind of like, right, how did that work? Have we sent that out to all our trade partners to tell them how brilliant that article was so they can send it on to their clients? How are we going to maximise that on social? All that kind of stuff. But I think for us, 
the critical thing is the future is global. I'm sure it's the same as you, Fred. I know you've got offices, you know, opening in different parts of the world, but we opened an office in New York in 2020. Not great timing, but we we did it. And it really saved us in many ways because we could sort of pivot um, the business. We opened an office in Milan last year, which is so successful. The Italians were traveling before anyone else. So suddenly, you know, our clients who hadn't really cared about the Italian market were like, oh my God, who are these, you know, fabulous Milanese, you know, Milanese coming out to Africa, to Singita. Like it, it, it's great. And so the future for us is to do that more, maybe an office in somewhere like Sydney, maybe an office in, in Mexico City, places where we can make an impact, where they've got like, people who love to travel, you know? Yeah, and of course, people are traveling more and to more inverted commas exotic destinations. So that travel's getting more plural, I think, in where people are going. So you're catering to that. Yeah, exactly. And frankly, that's what makes an interesting hotel. I don't want to go to a hotel just full of Brits. I don't want to go to a hotel just full of Americans. I don't want to go to a hotel just full of Germans or French. I love going somewhere where it's really cosmopolitan. You know, you're sitting at the bar, you get chatting to this lovely couple from the deep south in America, then you connect with someone you've just met from Switzerland, then there's an Aussie in, you know, that's what that's what makes the hotel interesting. Well, let's start actually, what is it that is not a great hotel? What is it you see that makes you cringe or makes you slightly feel, oh, you're missing the mark? Okay, so my biggest cringe is bumping into too many people from southwest London in a hotel who are a bit <laughs> smug. A bit smug, a bit pleased with themselves, and you're literally having a conversation about, you know, which street you live on in Wandsworth. That is my idea of absolute hell. I like to be, you know, yeah, for me, the joy is meeting interesting people, and I do find the Brits in general have to kind of place you every time they meet you. Oh, where, you know, where did you go to school? Where did you do this? Where do you work? Where do you live? Other nationalities just don't care. They're straight into, like, what do you love? What do you, you know, what have, where have you been? What's interesting in life? <laughs> Okay, so avoid, avoiding Brits on holiday, which as a general rule is obviously preferable. Yes. Uh, but, but what about the, the typical mistakes that uh, it's an interesting industry because there's a lot of trophy assets bought by people who are not hoteliers or not hospitality experts. They might have made their money in a ball bearing factory in Thailand, for example. What are the mistakes you see that make you just, just gasp or get worried? Or I know you're very direct with your clients that lead you to give some honest advice. You know, I was at ILTM this year, as I know you go to Fred, and I came away a little bit depressed afterwards because everything is just beginning to sound and look the same. You know, all these huge groups whose objective is simply to be to grow. I've got to grow. I've got to get bigger. We've got to announce 20 new hotels, 100 new hotels. Honestly, I find it incredibly depressing that that is what these brands are judging their success on is just growth. It's not about brilliance. It's about it's about just getting bigger. I think the industry has recently been hijacked by property developers. You know, you build, you buy a big piece of land, you build some residences that you're going to sell. And I tell you what, they're going to be worth a hell of a lot more if you've got a very sexy hotel group connected with it at Four Seasons or whatever it is. And so there's people that have come into the industry with, with the wrong motives. I have clients that have a residential side too, but I feel they're doing it for slightly different reasons. And I think that there's an element of that. There's a real ego thing now about owning hotels. You know, there's a lot of very wealthy people that want to be the next Cesar Ritz. You know, they have their philanthropic organizations. They have their multiple homes. They now want that legacy project, that kind of status project, which they can use for networking. They can use, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, it is this true legacy as a family. Um, I think that my biggest concern is 
that there's just too much stuff. Luxury is about stripping stuff back. We'll talk about this a bit more in a minute. But there's this sort of opposite effect happening at the moment where the, here's the pillow menu, here's the X amount of water, you know, types of water that you can have. For me, Fiji water needs to stay in Fiji where it came from. You know, Evian needs to be in France. We have lovely mineral water in Britain. We can have it here. <laughs> Just give me a nice pillow. I don't care about a menu. I hate too much choice. And so you've got brands that think that's what it's all about. And then you've got the brands that are just sort of saying, you know, actually luxury is about less. It's about less choice. It's about us making a few of the choices for you because you can trust us. You know, we know that the house wine is going to be great. There's lots of things like that, which we can obviously talk about in a bit more detail. But generally speaking, I think I'm terrified about over tourism because of the motors of a lot of these brands. They, they have to have every city, every Dexy destination, if it's Cabo St. Lucas, and then they've got to have the Riviera Maya, and then they've got to have the Maldives, and then they've got to have blah, blah. I just wish that the motives were different. But of course, a lot of these companies, that's not what it's about. It's about growth. Well, who's your favorite client? What what type of person would they be? What kind of, would they be, would it be family run hotel? Would it be a big multinational? No, it's, it's privately owned for sure. I mean, look, this would be very controversial to sit here and tell you who my favorite client is, but I would say the one that I respect and have done for so long is Utka Collection, who, you know, because of the Bristol, they were one of my first clients, well, they were my first client, and then we helped them grow as a brand. And they became the group and they started with four hotels and now they've got properties, you know, in the most beautiful place in the world from Eden Rocks and Barts to Hotel Decap to Brenner's Park to the Lanesborough. And we're about to open La Palma and Capri. You know, I love what they do because there's two things about them. They're not trying to be everyone's darling. You know, the Bristol Paris is unashamedly, fabulously French. It's not going to be for everyone, but it's not trying to be for everyone. If you want to go to the ultimate French palace in Paris, you know exactly where to go. The same about Hotel de Cap. You know, it is the chicest place in the world, but it is, again, it is French, it's the Riviera, it's deeply glamorous, and you know exactly, you know, where you are and what it's doing. And, and Utka as a brand, they probably open one property every year or two years. I'm imagining they get offered a whole load of new projects all the time. And the CEO always says, it has to be as good as, if not better, than anything we have. And I think if you look at a lot of other luxury brands, they've been guilty of putting growth needs over quality of the product. You see it with, I'm not going to mention the brands, but there've been some who've opened a property and it hasn't worked out. The client hasn't liked it. They've had to get rid of the property. It's then become like an intercon or something. You know, is this property right for us as a brand? That to me is a true, a truly brilliant brand of the future. Singita is the same in Africa. You know, I have only opened one lodge with Singita. I've worked with them for nearly 10 years. Their new property that they opened, Quitonda in Rwanda, they've got lots of potential things, but they're going to wait till it's absolutely the perfect lodge before they open their next lodge. Because, you know, that's what they're all about. It's the right kind of growth. So, Jules, it's, it sounds like in a way you're, you're talking down clients from doing too much or doing something as much as you are adding something. You know, when you grow, you've just got to grow in the right way and you've got to do it with integrity and you've got to do it knowing what your brand values are. I mean, probably in terms of growth, six senses is probably one of the biggest. But, you know, when they open, 
some of the properties that have opened recently have been absolutely extraordinary. Six Senses Shaharat and the Negev Desert in Israel is exactly the same as the original Six Senses that were opening in Yaunoy and Ziggy Bay. It's so raw and remote and beautiful and down to earth and sustainable, connected to nature. They've just opened in Rome, but again, a very, very beautiful, beautiful product, very different to the rest of Rome. And I really respect the way Neil Jacobs, the CEO, has been so focused and true to the brand with the new launches. Size doesn't have to dictate this kind of desperate need to grow as quickly as possible, but you've got to say, no, you know, this isn't the right property for us. This is this is for a different brand because there's too much opportunity out there at the moment. There is. I mean, there are hotels opening all around the world every day. Like It's insane how many new properties are opening. No, it's incredible. Uh, actually, it brings on because obviously the hotels that you specialize in are luxury hotels. Let's talk about that. Firstly, before anything, what do you feel when the word luxury is associated with you? How do you feel about the word? I feel a bit sick, actually. I think I just wish there was a way that we could come up with a new term for it. But like, I think I'm, so many people have tried. I think it's just so overused now. I also think if you have to say you're luxury, you're, you're sort of by default not luxury. You know, you see all these brands that call themselves iconic and luxury and you're like, oh God, the fact that you have to say it probably means you're, you're not really, you're trying too hard. Look, for me, you know, I, I want us to represent the best of the best. But the best of the best doesn't have to be the most expensive. It doesn't have to be the most luxury, so to speak. It needs to be in that place the best at what it does. It might be the best for food. It might be the best for service, the barman. It could be all these things. And for me, how I judge whether I want to work with a client or not is would I spend my own money together? I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't have that much money to go to all these places and pay. But like, if I did, would I? Okay, so basically, it's your radar. Your radar, would you go there? Would you enjoy it? And I think, probably like you, I, I personally find you know, the, the best hospitality concept could be somewhere you laugh the most within those walls. You know, it, it's very flavoursome what constitutes a great experience. When clients come back with our designs or something and say it's not luxury enough, I sort of go, you know, you might be sitting on something that's a little bit different than what you think it is. That's your kind of raison d'etre. You know, I went on honeymoon to a beautiful place in Italy called Il Pelicano, and I'd heard about this place for many years. And I sort of thought this seems very me. So I booked it and a few people were like, oh, Jules, I'm not sure it's going to be sort of luxe enough for you. And and actually, there was a lot wrong with it. I don't think I had hot water in my room pretty much the entire time we were there. The food was nice. It wasn't unbelievable. I absolutely loved the place. So much so that I'm going back in June because it was the sum of all parts of this place that was literally like, I, I was in another world. I was literally transported to this place that was so glamorous and gorgeous the people were amazing. The barman, Federico, I mean, I literally like dream about the Hugo Spritz he made me as I walked in and would have it every day waiting at 12 o'clock for me as I came back from the beach. That's like, Il Palacano sums it up. It's probably at some point we'll have some huge renovation, but I just hope not. I hope it says that it is forever. It is, it is perfection. What are the sort of trends or themes that excite you in this space, both personally, but also obviously as a leading advisor to the sector? I think it's about it's about adventure. It's about journeys. And I'm not talking about like, I'm going to go and climb Mount Everest. I'm talking about how you get to places when you're planning a trip, when you're, you know, the train travel that's coming up. I'm doing a trip in a couple of weeks time with a great friend who's the editor of a magazine. And we're, we're getting, we're taking the train to Paris. We're overnighting in, in Paris. We're going to journey down to Antibes, stay at Hotel du Cap. We're going to do this kind of big, wonderful adventure together, planning a trip. I mean, the joy of getting out a map 
all these wonderful things. I think hospitality brands that appreciate that, especially with leisure travel, obviously it's completely different with, with business travel, but I think a romance to travel is coming back again. The way you travel, how you travel, how you communicate with people, the people you meet on property. You know, for me, when I'm on property and I'm and I meet like Federico the barman, these are equals. They're not that sort of subservient old service that used to be the thing where you walk in and people sort of bow and scrape. I think people want to be about my equals now and the brands who understand that. And and you know what? Obviously, we've been through a horrible couple of years and it's very clear now the brands that looked after their staff and the ones that didn't because you can feel it in the hotel there's an energy that's completely different they have a team that's you know so well connected so loyal so cohesive whereas a lot of the brands that didn't treat their staff particularly well are now starting from scratch and there may as well be a new hotel you know so things like that for me are what I care about I don't care about the staff as it were you know I think we all expect good bed linen we expect the mini bar to have nice things in it. We expect nice products in the bathroom. We don't want them to be in small plastic bottles anymore. There's kind of things that would be, if I get into a car ever and get given a 330 ml bottle of plastic bottle of water, I literally want to like get seriously aggressive. And, you know, there's, there's certain things now that we expect. But actually, so I turn up at a little hotel and they say, you know, this is the menu for tonight. But then the next night, say pass the lacquer and make Como. The chef just says, you know what, just come into the kitchen before dinner. I'll show you what produce we've got. Let's think about your husband wants a spaghetti vongole. Brilliant. You know, watch me make it. Jules, would you like some, you know, sashimi with this? That's what I love. That is what luxury is. So the globe's quite crowded. The hospitality space is crowded. Are you prepared to to venture some regions that you think are on the up or, or about to explode or um, maybe some brands that you really admire that are, are on that journey as well? Yes, absolutely. So I think Central America is going to have like, and that's going to be a huge focus for the next, I don't know, decades. There's so much potential in places like Belize, Panama, you know, all around there. I know Costa Rica has already gone pretty crazy and, and Mexico, but for me, those sort of slightly lesser known places. Also, places like Scandinavia, I mean, Norway, the beauty of Norway. I think also, people, you know, when you travel now, people's motives have changed. We're not just traveling to go and sort of lie on a beach and, you know, get a tan. Certainly don't go to Norway to do that. But like, we have this client up in the north of Norway in the gateway to the fjords called 62 Nord. And they are, they're protecting this part of the fjords that protecting it from the cruise ship industry from it's a it's a huge fishing area and they you know they're diversifying into tourism but they're doing it in such an incredible way with these extraordinary lodges all around the fjords that you can get to by boat or by you know some wonderful car journey or bicycle for me that's the excitement for me is the remote stuff I'm desperate to go to Greenland I really want to go to Chile and Patagonia. Eleven experience. Our clients just opened a lodge there. One of our team was there a couple of weeks ago. It just said it was just absolutely extraordinary. These pristine wildlife spaces. Indonesia. So I've just come back from the Anambas Islands. Google them and see where they are. It's completely bonkers. Between Borneo, Malaysia, straight north is like Ho Chi Minh. It's a part of Indonesia that you go north of Singapore on a seaplane from. You take off on this amphibious seaplane 
from this Indonesian place called Batam. You land on the water. It is it is absolutely beautiful. It's, it's more beautiful than the Seychelles and the Maldives. Overwater villas. The the water is the clearest I've ever seen. But you know, I've never even heard of this place. And there's this one brilliant man who wants to protect and do tourism right because undoubtedly it was going to get you know bought and developed by someone and it's you know a small remote unique little place which is so special it's tented villas like being on safari you know feet in the sand all of the villas are built you know there's no touch point on the land you're elevated you know it it is magical and then you know indonesia is a place i flew down to bali which you know talk about over tourism to land there and then went on to Nihi Sumba. Similarly, Sumba, this island, it's not about tourists, it's about Sumbanese. You are, you're a visitor to their island and they are so fiercely proud of their island. And Nihi is actually opening in Timor next year and it's going to be similarly incredible. So there's still so many places yeah. to explore. I, I, I've got places I don't really want to go back to. I think, sadly, places like Thailand are becoming sort of poster children for how not to do to develop tourism, you know, that makes me very sad, you know, been traveling there as a backpacker 20 odd years ago. But I think these remote places, you know, I just, I just want the tourism boards to just recognize that, that, that preserving them and controlling how you develop is going to mean that the, the value is infinite into the future. It, it brings us on to, of course, sustainability, where a lot of the conversation around sustainability and travel is focused on reducing the harmful impacts of tra- impacts of travel that we all know what those are there are other clients that we share that are doing the same thing in protecting oceans or spaces or islands or wild wild bits of this earth um there are some who are doing it on a small scale there are some who are beginning to do it on a really huge scale and i don't think enough is is said about that about the instead of focusing on sustainability and the aspects we all know about is actually what luxury travel in particular is doing to preserve and set a standard for preserving really really big chunks of this earth for me sustainability is the umbrella isn't it where you've got the sustainability stuff per se and then you've got conservation then you've got community and that is the critical thing because that comes into education and so a brand that takes responsibility for that about educating the local community supporting the local community involving the local community and helping them to protect the future of their their area their destination is what's because that's a hundred year plan it's not it's not a 20 year commercial focus it's motives are different right that's that's the brands that i think the ones i want to work with the ones with integrity like that i I guess just diving down a bit into the actual into the guest for for these um, hotels you look after have you have you recognized many changes in what what these people are looking for since you started to where we are today in 2023 what what are the themes you're seeing or have seen look there's 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 so many interesting trends that have been growing and i think covid accelerated you know the pandemic accelerated them like multi-gen travel is just huge whatever we say about it it is happening whether it's you know in africa in europe different generations taking away their kids their grandchildren their cousins you know celebrations all of that it is it's unbelievable what's being spent i've just been talking to clients in italy you know takeovers of hotels beautiful villas but they're doing wonderful epic journeys together you know might fly into kenya and go 
you know, from all the way the north way down to the south into Tanzania. I think that other trends that I am seeing at the moment are like things like, I mean, obviously wellness is, is a huge thing. People want to go on holiday now and they want to come home feeling better than when they went away. You know, nobody has the time to come back feeling exhausted from when they've been away on a trip. So like healthy food, you know, things like yoga, Pilates, you don't have to be a spa hotel to do things that make people feel good hikes around properties all of that is becoming you know an expected part of your hotel experience especially in a city you know for me when I'm in New York every six eight weeks or so I want to feel good when I'm in that place I've got to work my ass off I've got four days and I don't want to be sort of eating unhealthily and, and and actually the Lowell hotel where I always stay they're so good they know exactly you know, the temperature of the water that I want, the egg white omelette I want in the morning, there's a yoga mat in my room, I have, they always have a stretchy band there for me, weights, so I can do some of my exercise in the morning. But thoughtfulness, it's not trends per se, right? People want to go more and more off grid. When I was in Indonesia recently, I had no phone signal on Bauer, it was a complete joy. Of course I could WhatsApp somebody if I needed to, but I didn't want to. And I had this wonderful week when nobody, I had this wonderful week when nobody could get hold of me. You know, obviously I could check my emails, but like the telephone thing was joyful. And then we had a night at Nihi Summer on their spa safari where there is no internet at all. There's no internet, you get given a radio. We went and had the most romantic evening. There was a massive thunderstorm. We were a bit like, oh my God. It was absolutely incredible because we were completely off grid. And I think people are just desperate for these like slightly ends of the earth experiences where they're away from stuff. To be honest, as I completely agree that in wonderful, exotic, far out places, but I never also understood kids clubs or all inclusive resorts um, until I had children. And then you see why people flock to them. No, of course. And obviously I have a, I have a little boy now too, like you, and it does change traveling. I mean, I took my little two-year-old to Tuscany last week to a very beautiful hotel that probably couldn't have been less child-friendly, my complete own. Um, and it was the most stressful two days of my life in paradise because I, it was sort of death and destruction at every turn. So, yes, a good Scott Dunn Explorers Kids Club like I went to last summer, don't get me wrong, I totally appreciate that as well. But would it be my first choice in terms of my personal holiday you see a lot of hotels trying new stuff you've um, seen it for years just moving on to to innovation what are things you've seen that you admire what are things you've seen that you think work well what I don't love in terms of innovation is when you have to control your room from an ipad it's probably one of the the things that I dislike the least (laughs) is that due to your uh you being a luddite or due to actually not being something that works for other people I just don't think it ever works perfectly I think I just want to draw the curtains to the you know sometimes I want the curtains open a little bit but I can't do that on an iPad they don't they're not half open and half closed there's this brilliant word that the former CEO of Ocker used to say to me called simplexity and it's very very complicated to create but actually looks so simple so when I was at Raffles Phnom Penh They had one of those brilliant traditional light switches that as you pressed it, it kind of went clonk and you were like, and then there was just darkness. And I dream about this bloody light switch. The amount of hoteliers who are building swanky new hotels, I say, look at this, this is what you need. The master switch, but this light that actually makes this fabulous, like very, 
oh, you know, this kind of closure of noise. I mean, it's just, for me, technology, which of course is coming. And by the way, I think there's a lot of potential for technology in different ways. But in terms of the guest experience, I want to read on a book. I'd love to read a newspaper when I'm on holiday because I don't get to read a newspaper at home. I'm stuck to my telephone. I hate it when a wine list is now on an iPad. And I get why people have to do it because they might only have three bottles of that wine and you know they can then easily take it off rather than reprinting a whole wine list. But remember those wine lists that used to pick up? They smelt like a book in an old library. You could, you know, part of the joy of that experience in that restaurant was this beautiful wine list, this leather-bound piece of history. I think we've got to be very careful because there's there's convenience and there's functionality, and then there's just this need for simplicity. And and I get a five, three hundred, four hundred room hotel can't do that. They want things to be simple, but the smaller properties, that high touch, you know, tactile stuff is so critical. The Eden Rock St. Bart's is so brilliant at it. You know, it's a small property in St. Bart's on the rock. And they actually have a whole load of wonderful villas that you can rent as well on the island. But every day you get back to your room, there's just the most thoughtful little gift. There's a parking, there's a scent, there's a something from the Barberstam Spa that's made for Eden Rock. There's aloe vera gel and little pot. Like, it's just thoughtfulness. And that is what I love. I, I agree. I think there's some thoughtful innovation because we span brand and digital. The thoughtful innovation point is particularly relevant to the bigger clients, especially who I think that the innovation comes particularly in the guest journey of booking and before where I think the metaverse will have a place to play or, or at least, or, you know, some form of virtual tour before, et cetera. It'll, it definitely comes after. But when you're on property, yes, there's space for destination apps and, and all of that in the right kind of kind of place, particularly resorts. But um, less is more often. And you're, I think the light switch is a metaphor for everything. Like, just just give me something that I press and I feel and it turns on. I don't want to spend 10 minutes um, searching around the room how to turn off the fifth light. That, that sort of applies to so many things. On the positive side about technology is things like augmented reality are going to transform how we sell. So my sales team who take an iPad or their computer to go and do these presentations and go and meet people all around Britain or Europe. In future, I really feel like they will be able to give some headset, some pair of glasses where literally you can walk into that presidential suite, you can look out the window, you can genuinely see if the view is the beach or the sort of you know back office corridor that has to be transformed because the way that sales happened I think is very old-fashioned in many ways you know we go off to these travel shows around the world we sit there with our pictures it's very static of course you can see a video but it's usually quite a corporate marketing video if you look at how the estate agency world is now selling premium properties you know a bar in Hong Kong through augmented reality can put on a headset be walking through an apartment in London see exactly who your neighbors are how close is the hallway, the concierge to your front door? That's happening in prime residential. Of course, that's going to happen in hospitality at some point. And I'm very excited about that because I think that's going to be transformative for the for the agents. I, I, I'm not sure that the consumer necessarily wants that. I think they want an element of surprise. But when they're booking, the you know, they're trusting their travel agent, that person's not going to be able to get to every room in every hotel every year. So there's going to be more of a, a realistic experience through tech, which, which is very exciting. 
And actually, the other area that hotels have been very innovative on, or certainly they talk about all the time, or they're trying to do is, is this concept of loyalty. What's your view on what good loyalty looks like for a hospitality proposition? I think this this dovetails on something, again, that I've been quite sort of focused on at the moment, which is about how you communicate with your customer loyalty. I think that so many brands over-communicate. You know, they think, okay, they've got to keep reminding that get that yeah. previous guest about us. I'm going to send them an email on their birthday. I'm going to send them one on Christmas Day. I'm going to send them one on the anniversary of when they last came here. I'm going to, you know, actually, it's intrusive. It's not thoughtful. It's like, hang on a second. Do things in the right way. I spent, I think, on Boxing Day last year. I was so angry at all the brands that were churning stuff out, throwing it at me, that I pretty much unsubscribed from anyone who'd emailed me over, over anywhere between Christmas Eve and Boxing Day, because I just realised that those are brands that just don't get it at all. I think there is a need, there is a less is more approach that needs to be taken. There's a joyfulness in missing a brand that you actually go, oh my God, I haven't heard from that brand for a little while. I don't, that every Monday morning they don't get in touch with me or I can't see their posts on social media because frankly, they're probably realised they haven't got anything that interesting to say today. They're not sending out silly generic Instagram posts. So I think loyalty is generated in that way through kind of osmosis in, in the right way, because people like you as a brand. Do they like you? I get so depressed now when I'm in every city, you know, New York now, you can't turn a street without there being another Louis Vuitton store. There's one on that street. There's another one, two streets over. You're talking to the girl here that is obsessed with her BA Avios. My gold card is probably the greatest thing I've ever achieved. And giving that up would be tragic. And of course, I have the BA Amex to get the BA Avios, to get, you know, the status, to get the companion vouchers. So I get that. But I think what you're about to sort of get onto is that those kind of point schemes for, for hotels, despite they, they have their place, but that's not really what loyalty is about for, for hotels, is it? It's simpler than that. No, I, th- I think it depends. You know, business travel, I can totally understand. I was having breakfast with someone yesterday who only uses Four Seasons because they know him so well in every hotel room, never travels with a laptop. So they always have set up a workstation in his room with a desktop computer and a printer. I, I, I kind of loved it. And so he only chooses Four Seasons because they do that with him at any hotel he's at in the world. So I get that kind of loyalty. Thank you. That's been a wonderful tour of the field of hospitality and luxury hospitality. But we do always ask our guests the same four questions on the way out. You've had them in advance. So so let's go. The first one is what most irritates you about your industry, apart from Brits on holiday? <laughs> bullshit. You know, corporate bullshit just drives me crazy. And egotistical general managers. Brilliant. Um, probably enough said on the latter, given this podcast. But um, yes, we've all met some of them. <laughs> The second is, you know, you're well connected. You travel a hell of a lot. This will be an interesting one. What most concerns you about the world we're leaving the next generation uh, and as a young mother? Over tourism, protecting these places that, you know, they can't go back on once once there's too much development. You can't reverse it. And you feel like you've got a bit of a role to play in that if you're to move outside of your, your actual client work, that you're in a position to help. I am, but I'm also part of the problem, aren't I? Because I'm promoting all these places. So I also feel this enormous responsibility when we promote places to promote them right. And that's why I'm also quite cautious with clients about expansion, because I want people to do it in the right way. Penultimate question, Jules, if you had to give up your job tomorrow, what would you do? I have a feeling I know what you're going to say, but let's see if it is the case. I mean, I'm going to be a farmer. 
obviously. Oh, I thought you were going to say winemaker. Same thing, I guess. Well, that's part of being my farmer, right? That's modern day farming for you, whether it's, you know, onions or having a vineyard. We do have a vineyard in Norfolk. So yes, at some point, that is part of my longer term plan. I need to make some money first because vineyards seem to lose a lot of money and not make any. Yeah, exactly. A great way to lose everything you've made. Uh, Lastly, Jules, what's the most exciting thing for you in the next five years? I think it's about staying relevant and expanding what we do to other markets that you know, fit with our ethos, places that I mentioned, Latin America, Australia, and preserving what matters about our industry, because there's so much good in it. There's a lot of the industry that's going the wrong way. So I I feel that's my mission and the thing that I'm most excited about doing. Fabulous. Well, Jules, um, it's been a blast as ever. Thank you so much for your time today. I know how busy you are. It's really appreciated. And we will see you very soon. Thanks, Fred. Thanks so much for listening. This has been What The Lux. You can find us on socials at Matter of Form and drop us any questions or comments on Twitter using the hashtag WhatTheLux. And if you're a luxury brand looking for strategy or design that goes beyond the banal, get in touch via hello at matterofform.com and chat to one of our consultants. And so, until next time.